Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Why Should We Listen to Christ? Preached on October 8, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 17. Hear him, that is the command that is given by the Father in this great scene of transfiguration, which it is the will of God the Father that all people of the world must hear. And that verdict took place around 2,000 years ago on the Mount of Transfiguration. A voice from heaven came, and the voice said, Hear ye him. There is one to whom all the world must listen to. And that one is Jesus Christ. Hear ye him, declares God the Father. First, let us hear the Father. Second, we must hear the Son. And third, we must hear the Holy Spirit. Transfiguration gives us a preview of Christ's glory. And if you read 2 Peter chapter 1, 16 through 18, it gives us this understanding that in this scene of transfiguration, God the Father was glorifying His Son. The limelight was put upon His beloved Son. We learned how Jesus at Caesarea Philippi In response to Peter's confession, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Of course, this revelation was given to him by the Father. In response to this confession, this true confession of Peter, Jesus publicly disclosed to the disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, and be killed, and the third day be raised to life. He must go. He must suffer. He must be killed. He must be raised to life, because it is God's eternal ordination. Peter could not bear the thought of a suffering Messiah, and so he rebelled against suffering, and rebuked Jesus for such thinking. Jesus in turn, we learned, rebuked Peter and required that his disciples must also be prepared to suffer for his sake. He said one must deny himself, take up the cross daily and follow him to death. They must lose their life in order to gain it when Jesus Christ returns in power and in great glory. Now especially for their encouragement, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to a high mountain to give them a preview of the glory that was to follow after the suffering of the cross. We do not know what mountain Jesus took them Certainly not Mount Tabor, southwest of the Sea of Galilee, as the 4th century tradition indicates. 
For one reason, it was not very high. For another reason, it was on the southwest side of the Sea of Galilee. You see Jesus and his disciples already in the north in Caesarea Philippi. And thirdly, there was a fortified city on top of Mount Tabor during this time. Therefore, some people suggested that Jesus took the disciples to Mount Hermon, a spur on the snow-capped 9,000 feet high Mount Hermon which lay north of Caesarea Philippi. Or possibly on Jebel Jarmuk, which is 4,000 feet high mountain that dominated northern Galilee. But the truth is, Scripture does not give us the name of the mountain on top of which this great transfiguration occurred. The four ascended the mountain in the evening. And Luke tells us for the purpose of prayer. The disciples, of course, as usual, went to sleep. And Jesus was transfigured, we are told. The whole body of Jesus for a brief time was allowed to shine with the light and refulgence of its heavenly divinity. Being God, the glory from within began to irradiate Christ's whole appearance. Luke says a change of appearance came over him. He underwent, in other words, a metamorphosis. Then we notice Moses and Elijah representing the promise of the Old Testament. The law and the prophets appeared in glory. And they were discussing with Jesus his departure, Exodus. Moses led people out of Egypt. But here is Jesus who by his death will lead his people out of slavery to sin and Satan and death. This is the great Exodus. And all Exoduses in the past pointed forward to this deliverance by Jesus Christ. Moses reflected the glory of God as he beheld him, we are told in the book of Exodus. His face also shone for a brief time. But here is Jesus, the Son of God, who does not so reflect the glory of God. He is glory. Moses was a sinful man. Jesus is God of glory. The disciples finally woke up and saw the glorious Christ and Moses and Elijah. And Peter, of course, without thought, as his custom was, began to speak. And remember, he said, you know, it is so good to stay here permanently. I will make Three tens. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter liked this atmosphere of glory and grandeur and wonder. We all like it. He wanted to stay on the mountain permanently. He still refuses to understand the divine necessity of suffering. 
He would rather bask in the glory than going to Jerusalem with Jesus and embark with Jesus a life which would lead him also to death. Now all of a sudden, Matthew says, Behold, a cloud covered them. A cloud of God's presence overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud. The voice of the Father. Now this was not the first time the Father certified and honored his Son. He did so at his baptism. We hear, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But here again, as Jesus Christ was contemplating and looking forward to this necessity of suffering for our salvation, the Father appears again to give him also encouragement. And listen to what he says. This is my beloved son. Or Luke says my chosen son. In whom I am well pleased. Well that is same. As what the father told at baptism. But there is something additional here. In this proclamation. And what is this? Hear ye him. In other words Peter stop. Talking stupidity. All of us should stop talking stupidity. All of us must cease giving him suggestion as to how he must do his work of salvation. Shut up. All of you stop giving suggestions to him. You listen to him for your own eternal salvation. That's a good counsel for us too. And we are told they were terrified. At the presence of such holiness and deity. They fell face down terrified. Now you see the same type of experience. John later on also experienced. In the book of Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. Having seen the resurrected Christ in all his glory. We read, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. In the same way here. In the presence of such deity, such holiness, the disciples, James, Peter and John fell face down. This is due to the sinfulness of the disciples. No one can be in the presence of deity and be not terrified. May God grant us some sense of reverence as we come to the house of God. But Jesus approached them, touched them, and spoke to them and said, Don't be afraid. The very purpose of the coming of Jesus Christ to this planet Earth is to deliver us from all fear. Don't be afraid. He would soon go to Jerusalem to deliver them from the fear of death by his own death. Jesus revealed himself to be glorious to the disciples for their own future encouragement. 
Moses and Elijah appeared and discussed with Jesus about his death for their own encouragement. Father spoke about his son for their own encouragement and our own encouragement. Christ must be killed and be raised up for the salvation of his people. Peter, you cannot sit here in glory. You have to get out. You have to face the reality. You must deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. And you must lose your life before you can come to experience glory and live forevermore. However, there will be glory following his death, but not before. Look at the author of Hebrews. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Transfiguration gives to the disciples and to Jesus and to us the joy of glory. That is before us. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This understanding of the transfiguration, this understanding of the glory that is to come, this understanding of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again in his kingdom with great power and glory ought to motivate us to take up the cross and follow Christ. Transfiguration sets forth the joy that would follow the cross for Jesus as well as for his disciples. Hear ye him. And that is not a suggestion. In the Greek, it is present active imperative. It is the commandment. He who gave us the Ten Commandments, which we broke completely, is now giving us an eleventh commandment. Hear ye him. Believe in him. Trust in him. He is the one who forgives us all our sins because he will take your sin upon himself and will remove it once and for all in his death on the cross. This is the 11th commandment. And we learn many things from this scene of transfiguration. One, it tells us the living and the dead are one in Christ. You see Moses and Elijah in glory with him. And all who die in Christ, as well as the living in Christ, are one in Christ. Number two, the old covenant and new covenant are inseparable. There is Moses and Elijah standing together with Jesus. They are discussing Exodus for their own salvation. They are encouraged by the fact that Jesus Christ is setting his face toward Jerusalem because salvation of Moses and Elijah and everybody else in the Old Testament depended on this stupendous performance of Jesus Christ. Number three, the cross and the glory are of one. God himself planned it, both the cross and the glory in that order. Number four, the age to come is already penetrated into this age in Jesus Christ. 
Number five, our human nature has a destiny of glory. Number six, God has uttered his last word in Jesus Christ. And number seven, in Christ alone, the Father is well pleased. That is the Father's word. Hear the Father. Number two, let us hear the Son. Hear him. The Father didn't say, hear me. He says, hear him. Why should anyone hear him? I will give you some reasons. Number one, Jesus is greater than all human beings who ever lived on the face of the earth. Including all the saints of the Old Testament. Peter was wrong in his conception. He thought Jesus and Moses and Elijah, they all stood on the same level, so he would build a tent for each. No. No, Peter. Jesus is greater than Moses. You read that in the book of Hebrews, especially. He's greater than Moses. He is greater than Elijah. He himself said he is greater than Jonah. He is greater than Solomon. He is greater than the temple. These are sinful people whom it pleased God to save through his son. Moses did not deliver anybody from the slavery of sin. Jesus does. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. We must hear him because he is greater than all human beings who ever lived on the face of the earth. He is God. Number two, we must hear him because he is the eternal son of God. He is the unique son of God. He is deity. He is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is from everlasting to everlasting through whom God created all things. And we read in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3, the Son. Hebrews 1 verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. We read elsewhere. And in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So all must hear him. All must hear him. Catholics must hear him. Protestants must hear him. Muslims must hear him. Hindus must hear him. Everybody must hear him. Number three, he is the last word of God the Father. He is the prescription of God for all our ills. And we read in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. That's why we shouldn't be listening to the philosophers and unbelieving theologians and politicians and technocrats. None of these can save us from our sins. God's last word is Jesus Christ. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, writer of Hebrews asked this question, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation preached by his son? 
All the words of Moses and prophets pointed to this son. He is the fulfillment. There are no more Christ to come. No more gurus to come. No more rabbis to come. No more sons to come. In Jesus Christ, God the Father has spoken the last word for our salvation. Therefore, hear ye him. And number four, he is the Messiah. Promised in the Old Testament. And we read in Isaiah 42, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I am well pleased. And I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. And the islands will hope in him. He is born of the spirit and baptized in the spirit. He is anointed by the spirit of the living God to be the deliverer, Messiah, King. It is he who took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. It is upon him the Father laid all our iniquities. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. It is he who offered himself as a propitiatory sacrifice in behalf of us. And he by his death turned away God's wrath that was against us. So we must hear him. Number five, he is the beloved of God. He was, we are told by John the apostle, in the bosom of the father. No one else is beloved and therefore chosen by God. It is only in him we can become beloved of God. We are all guilty. We are all hell bound. Only by hearing him and believing in him we can be saved from the wrath to come. He is the ark of God for our safety. The flood of God's wrath is about to be outpoured. Now is the time of our salvation. Hear him. And enter into the ark and be saved forever. Number five. He alone is the redeemer. He alone is the redeemer. We are slaves of Satan. We are slaves of sin. We need a kinsman. We need a relative. We need an older brother. Who is able, ready and willing to buy us back from the slave market. Jesus alone is able to do this. He is ready to do this. He is willing to do this. And he has done it. He paid the price of our redemption. And Peter appreciated it. And he tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake he paid the price For our salvation therefore. We must hear him. There is no other redeemer. 
Number six, we must hear him because the father said so. It was not a suggestion, I said. It was a commandment, the 11th commandment, because we broke the 10 commandments. Now there is an 11th commandment. Here, my son, he alone has received this highest testimony. God the Father who planned our salvation from all eternity tells us to listen to his son. He tells us, look to him and be saved, all the ends of the earth. See, the Father is the great heavenly evangelist. He is exhorting us, do not listen to others. Do not listen to the philosophers and the politicians and the technocrats and the journalists. And so we shouldn't listen to these people. They are corrupt, they are sinful, they are twisted, they are biased, and they hate the Son of God. The Father is exhorting us, do not listen to others who pretend to save you. They are thieves and robbers, they are liars. There is only one who can help you, who can save you. He is my Son, Jesus, hear him. What a great testimony. There is no greater testimony than the testimony the father gave concerning his son. Number seven, it is the one in whom the father is well pleased. All have sinned, yet there is one who is born without sin and who lived a life without sinning. His passion was to please God. He alone glorified God. Where Adam failed miserably, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, God, man, has succeeded. Father, therefore, is pleased in him to be our mediator. So hear him. Because nobody else can become your mediator except this one in whom the Father is well pleased. Number eight, listen to the sayings of Jesus Christ himself he said I am the Messiah he said that he said I am the bread that gives you life he said I am the eternal one he said I am the light of the world he said that he said I am the resurrection and life he said I am the way the truth and the life he said I am the son of God I am, no one else. So hear ye him. Hear him for his message. What is his message? His message is the gospel. He already said that in Caesarea Philippi to his disciples. He said, I must go to Jerusalem. You said, I am the Christ, the son of the living God. So I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer many things. I must be killed. I must be raised on the third day. That's the gospel. I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer many things. I must be killed. I must be raised on the third day. Peter, do not reject this message. You reject this message at the cost of your own damnation. Hear and believe. Because salvation comes through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the one in whom God is well pleased. So he says, deny yourself, take up the cross, follow, follow me. Lose your life, you shall again find it in the kingdom of God that is coming. 
And when you look at the gospel, that is what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us essentially what the gospel is, which modern man doesn't like it, but here it is. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 3, 4, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. This is of greatest importance. What is it? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. Doesn't sound so sophisticated. But it is the gospel. That Christ died in your place. That you may be saved. Number 10. There is no self-salvation. Man is born a sinner. Man is a sinner by choice. He cannot save himself. It's amazing how many people around the world in various religions try to save themselves. It is utter stupidity. Man cannot save himself. That's why we must hear him. And number 11, let me tell you, we must hear him. Because if you don't, what you have seen in this transfiguration scene will come to take place. He's going to come in power, in great glory. He's going to come in his kingdom. He's going to come to judge. Let me tell you, that is no story of man. It is appointed for man once to die, and then comes the judgment. The transfiguration gives us a preview of his future glory. He is the coming glorious king. And for you and for me, it could be today because we may die any moment. But let me tell you, he's going to come. And the Bible says he is going to come personally. He himself will come with all great glory. He himself will come. He's not going to send an angel. He himself will come into this planet. He's going to come bodily, meaning he's going to come in his physical glorious body. And he's going to come visibly. Every eye shall see him, the Bible says. And some will mourn and others will rejoice. Those who listen to him will rejoice. And those who turn a deaf ear to him will mourn. He comes suddenly. When you least think of it, he will come suddenly like a thief in the night. And his coming is going to be glorious. He is going to be glory. He's not going to be the little babe clothed in swaddling clothing. He's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to come as a judge. And he's going to resurrect everybody. Some for everlasting shame and some for everlasting life. Don't think that I'm just getting excited for nothing. Let's turn to the book of Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Let me read to you from chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. You see, 
suffering now, glory-related. God is just, he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. He's coming. He's coming. And not only that, he's coming to be our savior. Not only his face was shown like the sun, we are told, in this transfiguration scene. But let me tell you what is going to happen to you and to me. Matthew 13 verse 43. Jesus himself makes this statement. Then that is when Jesus Christ comes. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears let him hear. And when? <laughs> we do not know when. But the truth is we do not know. So hear him. Believe in his person and in his work. Hear the gospel, he said. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily and follow me. You see, Peter believed. Peter heard. Peter believed. And Peter says in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven means in this planet. Given to men by which we must be saved. Peter heard it, Peter believed it, Peter preached this message, and Peter was killed for it. But he shall come with Christ in glory, and his face also will shine like the sun. So hear him. I counsel you, be like Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus and heard the words of life. And Jesus said, only one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. What is that one thing that is needful, that is essential, that is fundamental, that is of supreme importance for you and for me in this life? That is to hear Christ, the Son of God, and be saved. His word is spirit and his word is life. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and do them is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. I counsel you, hear him and be a wise person whom he will receive when he comes again and not say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. The Bible says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them. They will follow me. Today, if you hear his voice, writer of Hebrews counsels us, do not harden your heart. But now the question is, how can we sinners, deaf, mute, dumb, blind people because of sin, how can we hear? That's a good question, isn't it? And we can only hear when the Spirit of God speaks to us. This is what will preach us effectual call. The Holy Spirit must come upon us. And recreate us. 
And then he will speak to us and we will hear it. Let me read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4 and 5. Paul says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not in words only. It comes in words. You don't look at our belly button and meditate in some kind of stupid mysticism. We declare words and propositions and truth. But not only that, not in words only, but also with power. That's Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You see, when I'm preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit is working. In certain people and not in certain others. And when he speaks, you will hear it. Because it is, it is he who makes us able to respond through his mighty work in us. And so I counsel you to hear him. Hear the spirit of the living God. If the spirit of the living God is speaking to you, you better hear him. You will not hear it unless he is working in you. Unless the word comes to you with power and with the Holy Spirit and with what? Deep conviction. Yes, today, through me, you are hearing his voice. But will you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that comes along with my words? Will you tell the Son of God, Jesus Christ, what Samuel told the Lord? Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Hallelujah. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. And if you do this, let me tell you, when the Lord comes in all his glory, which we have already seen in this transfiguration scene, when he comes again in his kingdom, in great glory and in great power, he will say to you, Thou good and faithful servant enter into my eternal joy hallelujah to some it is simply an external call to some it is thundering in John 12 God spoke to the son and people heard it as thunder they said it thundered. It was just thundering. Oh, isn't that something? That is the external call. It's thundering. It's big thundering. A man who was standing there and he was thundering. I don't know what he said. I heard a thunder. But if the Holy Spirit is working in you, you will hear the voice of the shepherd. Remember he said, 27th verse of John chapter 10, My sheep, my sheep from all eternity, foreloved and predestinated, my sheep will hear my voice. I know them. Meaning, what is the meaning? I love them. That's what it means. I know them. And what else did he say? They will follow me. That's what Jesus said. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily. Follow me. Will you hear his voice?
Heavenly Father, we pray. Help us, O Lord, to obey the Spirit of God by obeying the Word of God, which we know what the world is telling us. Help us to prove ourselves to be sons of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.